Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. December 8th, which unfortunately is the anniversary of the assassination of John Lennon, 1980, 43 years ago today, we lost John Lennon. This is my favorite John Lennon song, favorite uh, Beatles solo, whatever I love, Dear Prudence. So... I've always remembered this because it's obviously a stretch of three days. Uh, obviously, yesterday was Pearl Harbor Day. Um, and the, you know, the day that will live in infamy, that horrible uh, day, December 7th, 1941. December 8th, 1980 is the assassination of John Lennon. And December 9th was my dad's birthday. So that was always the joke that the three worst days in uh, history. <clears throat> But yes, John Lennon assassinated 43 years ago today. And if only he would have still been here. And I got maybe we would have had some more Beatles music other than just one last song now and then that came out last month. But I still got to watch the documentary. That's uh, a, I guess it's a, a, a docu-series coming out of, uh, on Apple TV about the assassination of John Lennon. I have to check that out. And it's voiced like by Kiefer Sutherland, my guy. But yes, 40, very famously announced on Monday Night Football. 43 years ago today, 1980, December 8th, the assassination of John Lennon. And that was Dear Prudence. And we'll hear him again at 4 o'clock with Good Morning, Good Morning. Oh, that's true. No, we won't. We're going to hear ABBA instead. That's right. we got the picks coming up. It is football Friday. We saw a game last night. Obviously, put a damper on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are just awful. I mean, backup quarterbacks in this league. Unfortunately, the quarterback situation for Pittsburgh isn't that good at all. But to to have the lowest under, uh, over, uh, you know, over under, I think it was 30 and a half, one of the lowest uh, over under numbers in NFL history, or at least documented history. They actually score some points. New England goes right down the field on the opening drive, and Pittsburgh was on their heels the entire rest of the game. And New England wins a game, beats Pittsburgh, and hurts their playoff chances. I suppose that helps the Jets if they could figure out a way to win this game and be competitive. And we'll see. I actually think, and I was talking about this, Neil, I actually think you could see Zach Wilson play his best game as a Jet. I honestly believe that. I think after all the noise, after all this nonsense, after this controversy, after him not wanting to play, after the, the everything, it is official. It is official. He's done as a New York Jet. Like It was probably official the minute he was benched again for Boyle. But now the, the idea that he didn't want to play and now that's you know the, the way this season has gone, like it's over for him. There's nothing else to do but to try and perform in any way to make any other team feel interested in the slightest to bring you on board. That's the only thing left to do. And I do think this defense of the Texans is a defense you can throw on. And I do think that this Jet team 
is the kind of team that against good quarterbacks has played well this year and against this young quarterback who's taken the league by storm and how I believe now has taken uh, over the passing lead. He's got the most passing yards in the game. This is the kind of spot in their building where I think the Jets could make Stroud feel uncomfortable, get a couple of turnovers, and Zach Wilson talked about having fun and taking shots down the field and watching the All-22 as Coach Sala suggested we do. I took a look at it, and yeah, guys are running open. And, you know, not just going through the progression. I mean, Garrett Wilson was running wide open, and they do not get the ball down the field. That's how bad the quarterback play is. I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to agree with Coach Sala and to give Hackett, you know, any kind of defense here because he's been that bad, but you watch it. The schemes weren't that bad. The plays aren't that bad. The plays do result in open wide receivers. The quarterback can't get it to him. Now, part of coaching is getting the quarterback being able to throw those passes, but it has just been so bad at the quarterback level. I have a feeling the defense is going to step up. I do this every week to myself. I don't know why. They let Marco and and Fliegelman laugh at me. Week after week, I pick the Jets. I'm such an idiot. I'm I'm probably going to pick them again. The number has dramatically changed. I think on Sunday, right after all the games, it was six. I think it opened up at six, six and a half even. And it is down to, let me just double check. I want to make sure I got it right. It's three and a half now. This number has moved at least two and a half points, I think three, over the course of the week. Are you telling me Zach Wilson is worth two and a half points? I I mean, something's up. Something's up. Why is this line moving like that? Why are people betting the Jets? Why is the smart money on the New York Jets? I think there's finally no pressure here. He's no longer the starting quarterback of this team. There is no way, shape, or form, whether it's waiting out Aaron Rodgers, whether it's this upcoming week, whether it's this upcoming season, whatever the circumstance that has been laid out for him over the course of his three-year career with the Jets, there is no longer any hope or prospects of him being the future quarterback of this team. It's over. He will not be with this team next year. So having said that, knowing that really wins and losses at 4-8 and eight don't really matter, and there's no longer pressure not to go make mistakes, and this team has been absolutely killed with the idea the quarterbacks don't throw the ball down the field, I might actually believe, you can actually convince me, that Zach Wilson is going to take chances and throw the ball down the field, and we might just see some explosive plays out of the Jets. We might see some turnovers. We might see some terrible throws. But we might actually see some explosive plays. We might actually see Garrett Wilson get the ball down the field. We might actually see Zach Wilson in this offensive passing attack actually take some chances and throw the ball down the field. We might just see it. I don't know. I don't know if he's capable of it. It's one thing to say it in a press conference, and it's another to get there out on the field and take your chances and actually do it and actually see it and actually make the throw because they've been unable to do so. But for whatever reason, whether it's the number moving, the idea this defense and the way they've played against good quarterbacks, the way they can play against a rookie quarterback who, despite all his passing yards and despite all his touchdowns and despite the fact Stroud has kind of taken the league by storm and been one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've ever seen, He is prone to making mistakes. He has thrown some picks. And this defense can get into that mode of turning the ball over and leaning on a team. And if they could ever figure out a way to just get a lead, I think the Jets could go out there and win this football game. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. 
And that's what sucks about the whole thing. And that's why we're going on our second day of Juan Soto Day. Because as much as it's Football Friday and as much as there's some interesting matches, cow- matchups, Cowboys and Eagles and some of the different games you get to locally, these games don't matter. The Giants play on Monday night against the Packers, and the only question is whether they can keep it close. And the Jets are playing what really amounts to be a meaningless game with a quarterback they no longer will have on their team while all the controversy of Joe Beningo and whether or not he wants to play or whatever else is going on around it, none of it means a damn thing. This season is now lost. Who are they? Who's the quarterback next year? Who's the coaching staff next year? Does the team fall apart around Salah? Does the idea of this uh, of the leader of the team right now and the leader of the franchise and Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't like leaks, pissed off at the head coach for actually having a communication with the world's biggest Jet fan and Joe Beningo? Like, is that something I, I was talking about that the first night the story broke and, and right after his interview with Pat McAfee, if he's all pissed off about leaks, he, he's probably not too happy about an open texting dialogue between his head coach and someone who will, will, willy nilly will go on a radio show and, and just give him out. And if you're Robert Sala, the one thing you can't do, you can lose out. You can have your team make more penalties than any other team in the history of the franchise over and over again. You can have the worst offense in the history of the game. You can do a lot of things right now as long as you have Aaron Rodgers as, as confidence. The one thing you can't do is piss that guy off. The one thing you can't do is lose his his backing. Because if you do that, then you might just be out on your ass. That's all that matters. Who's going to be the coach? Are they keeping this team together? Do they still want to envision the plan of Rodgers, Salah, Hackett, what will they do in the draft? If given an opportunity to draft a quarterback, do they do it? I say no. But that's what this season's about. And for the Giants, it's whether or not DeVito plays well and whether or not this team has an issue with not playing the legitimate backup quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, now that he's healthy. These are the storylines we're focused on. Not winning the game. Not going out and beating Green Bay. Not going out and beating the Texans. That's why we're focused on the Yankees, building a team. And whether or not Juan Soto is the, the end or just the beginning. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the phone calls. Jerry in South Hackensack. What's up, Jerry? Hey, Chris. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for making hey. it. Yeah, no problem, man. On my way to work, brother. Yes, sir. Hey, um, uh, you were right. We didn't have to give up that much for Soto. Uh, I nope. just like Michael King, but I think everybody has to remember that guy was going to be on an innings count this year coming that up. Is totally, that is totally true. He was transitioning from... Um, from bullpen to starting rotation, he was not going to be able to make 30-plus starts this year, no doubt about it. But still, you know, someone they could have stretched out over over time. And ultimately, you know, you feel good about how good he is. And you felt if you get into a playoff series, you have another legitimate top-of-the-rotation starter. I Listen, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I like Michael King. But, you know, listening to some of the calls on my way home from work last night, the Yankees gave up too much, too much. What, what did you want to do? Yeah, I don't know. For Juan Soto, for a paper plate? Yeah. You have to give something up to well, get something. Yeah, the, the and thought, I like Michael King. I yeah, do. Yeah. You know? I, I and don't we hung disagree. on to Dominguez. I remember calling you last week thinking that was going to take Dominguez, too, and they yep. hung on to Dominguez. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and but you're right. We still have a little bit more work to do. You know, I love the fact that our lineup is now. I just hope that Austin Wells beats out Trevino. Because then you'll have the balanced lineup that you need: four yeah. lefties, five righties. Yeah, you know that's that's the way baseball's played. You know, you know if you think about our little run in the '90s, 
Mm-hmm. You had a balanced lineup. You, you couldn't throw a righty and, and expect to be this. You couldn't throw a lefty and expect to be this. Yeah, I you mean, know, and then years. I I understand that. We can't always harken back to that particular team. There are teams that do it that do it that do it every which way. I mean, if you look at the Toronto Blue Jays offense, that was all right-handed in prior years, and and they scored some runs. It's not like the it's it's. I know they haven't won but in the postseason. No, no, they didn't. But I mean, I, I understand that. But it's not there. It's not you can't you can't just say you need left-handed hitting to win. I understand. Uh, in Yankee Stadium, you feel that way, but you love balance. Uh, don't get me wrong; I just, I'm I'm picking an argument for no reason. I agree with you. You need more balance, and I do think it'll be. That's all I was saying. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I do think there'll be a platoon uh, to start with Wells and Trevino. With Trevino getting most of the time, I don't. Obviously, he's the Wells is the left-handed hitter of a platoon, so in a straight platoon, he would play a lot more. I don't think it'll be that. It'll be more. I bet you it's fifty-fifty. I bet you it's close to fifty-fifty. Trevino will definitely play against left-handed pitching, and they'll kind of give two out of every three against right-handers to him too. So I, you know, or I don't know, something like two out of three right-handers to it'll be about fifty-fifty. And then, but you're right. Hopefully, eventually, Wells becomes the starting catcher of the team. Hopefully, he takes that job by the by the horns. That's what you would like. You would like it where the Yankees have no choice. Wells is the guy. But again, Trevino did win the Platinum Glove and had an all-star caliber year two years ago. If 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 he's over the wrist injury and he's back to playing that way, that's a that's a that's a valuable piece. I understand you want the left-handed, but you've got some left-handed bats now. You do have three legitimate now, right? Now the point was it was kind of just Rizzo. Yeah, sure, okay, you could throw in Hicks or you could throw in Gallo, but they weren't legitimate hitters. Now they have Rizzo, Soto, and Ver, Verdugo. And whatever you think about Verdugo, he's a legitimate hitter, especially against right-handed pitching. His numbers are great. That He is a dangerous hitter. He's not a world beater. He's not an all-star. And there are some issues with his character, I suppose. He definitely had problems in both L.A. and Boston. But he legitimizes this lineup. That's You, you have three legitimate left-handed hitters. It's enough balance where it's not, oh, my God, you're all right-handed. Would you like the one more? Sure. Throw a switch hitter in there when Dominguez gets back. Yeah, that's great. Stuart and Brooklyn, what's up, Stu Pot? Good morning, Christy Mac. Good morning, buddy. I, I like I like the way. But uh, we still have to go out and get Yamamoto to make it a complete winter. And mm-hmm. I'm Yamasoto. Well, more than successful winter. I mean. Uh, Soto, yeah, we have, now there's more balance in the lineup, like you just said, and yeah. hopefully that Torino could play the way he played two years ago, and, uh, we, we'll see how we have to shake out. But Verdugo, he's a good defensive player, I mean, in left field. Yes. And he makes contact. That's the main thing. He doesn't strike out that much. No, and yeah, when he, you, he, yeah, he puts the ball in play. That's what yeah. they need, a left-handed hitter who puts the ball in play. He's a, he's a 270, 280 hitter over his career. He puts the ball in play. He doesn't strike out, uh, at least in today's numbers. He strikes out under 100 times, which is better than most. And, you know, he's he's a very good corner outfielder. It's not right. ideal because they probably would love a defensive center fielder, not a corner outfielder. And there has been some issues. One, he's a Red Sox, so the fan base will take a little bit of warming up to him. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's a, a, a solid, solid move. Yeah, and uh, well, when Dominguez gets back, who he, he's not going to play center field right away, is he? I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, well, so if he comes back healthy, I would think they would at least put him into some kind of rotation. They want to get him going. I think. I yeah. think if he wasn't hurt, he's the starting. They wouldn't have acquired another outfielder. No, they wouldn't have. It would have been was, Soto. Was, that's was, it. Maybe it would have been Soto and Grisham, and that would have been it. And it would have been Soto, Dominguez, and Judge. So I understand he's coming back from an injury. Uh, I don't know how they view him. I don't know how many games they'd want to give him. But I mean, if they give him a rehab assignment, and he plays, you know, a month of baseball before coming back. Once he comes back, is the is he the everyday starting center fielder? I don't know. Maybe. It depends on how they feel about him. It's hard to say no when I honestly believe if he wasn't hurt, they would have went into the season with him locked in as the starting center fielder. And ultimately, you're going to have to do that. Like you can talk about being the Death Star and the fully operational Death Star, and and the Yankees are back and the Evil Empire. You they're going to put a lot of money into a handful of players if you're going to do that. You have to go young in a lot of spots. There's just no way around it. That's why I don't think Labor Torres is long for this team. I don't think they're going to give him a contract, so I wouldn't mind moving him if there's value there to bring in a pitcher and play Peraza because you're going to need to go young. You're going young at, sh- at short with Volpe, and hopefully you're going young in center field with uh, Dominguez, and you're going young at catcher. I wouldn't mind going young at second base and giving Peraza a legitimate chance. That's what you're going to have to do. And then come Rizzo leaving next year, first base is probably going to be somewhat on the cheap. If they're going to go out and give, if they're going to give Soto a five hundred million dollar contract, and they're going to give Yamamoto hopefully a big contract this offseason, they're paying Judge, they're paying Soto, they're paying Cole, they're paying Yamamoto, they're paying Stanton. Like you're not going to be able to go out and shop at the top of the market for first base next year. Like they they're going to have to draw the line somewhere. So that's why the youth is important. So that's why for me, yeah, I think it's possible that. They want to put Dominguez right in there as the starting center fielder because they need him to be. And that's why I think there's a good chance they trade Gleyber Torres, get back some pitching, and play Peraza and trust him to play second base. And you'll have veterans at the corner infield. You'll have youth up the middle with catcher, second, short, and, and that's your core. The core of your team is a young, talented, hopefully, core right up the middle. Catcher. Shortstop, second base, center field. It's perfect if they hit. If they're good, that's exactly what you want. You've got Judge, Soto, Yamamoto, and Cole. That That's your established superstars that you pay big money to. And then the young core of your team to go along with it right up the middle. Wells at catcher, Volpe at short, Peraza at second, Dominguez in center field. And then you work out the corners one way or another. It's going to be... Uh, DJ LeMahieu for maybe a year or two more at third base. You got Rizzo for this year at first base. You probably get another first baseman at you know the mid to low end level, or maybe you bring up another young first baseman if if, if it works inside the organization. But that's what you do, or you move the uh, you bring up a third baseman, another infielder if you have him, and move and move uh, DJ over to first. Although I hate the way he profiles as a first baseman, but. That's what you have to do. They're not going to have a first base. They're not going to have a Hall of Fame player at every position. At some way, you got to draw the line. And that's how you make Yamamoto and Soto and Cole and Judge work, being young everywhere else. And that's why there's no major shortstop here. All right? So just remember it. When Soto is going crazy and Soto is hitting 50 home runs, and the two of them back-to-back are the most dynamic duo in all of Major League Baseball, and Soto's winning MVPs for this team. Remember, they made it all possible by waiting and not signing Correa. 
or not signing different guys at the shortstop position to allow Volpe to come up. Just try and remember that. Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Man, I don't know who put these new drops in. These new song drops, but I mean... Or these rejoins. There's Eddie Scazzeri. Eddie, I saw a great clip today. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Funhouse, obviously, who puts out all the, the mic stuff or whatever. He put oh, back at whatever, whichever one it was. I think it was Funhouse. He put out a clip of the two of them on Imus and going back and forth messing with each other from 1996. And you get a shout out in it. I don't know if you've seen the video. Mike just says, oh, the great is Kazari. What a show you're running. I don't know what he meant by that. And then, like, the camera pans to the studio, and you can see your lo- you're facing the opposite way, but you can see your long ponytail all the way down to your bottom. So, and it was fun. The clips were hilarious. It was very, if you get a chance, I, if you want to go on Twitter and see some of the clips, uh, I miss his, you know, ragging on uh, Mad Dog, and they're talking about the horses Mike owns with Parcells. It was, it was actually pretty funny. I don't know where he found these clips. It was, it was actually rather funny. But you got a name shout out. That tells you, Eddie's been here forever. Staple, a staple of the WFAN team. We all have our stories, or at least most of us who've been here for long enough, of interviewing for the internship, which again is out the window. But um, the internship, we would walk in and meet with the great Eddie Scazzeri. And Mike referenced them in that clip. Those clips, are, if you can see them on Twitter, it's Mike and the Mad Dog on the, the IMA show. It was very funny. Those were the days, right? I know. We all hate WFAN now. Those were the days. When, when WFM was great, that was a bunch of hot take hus- Huskers like Fat Big Mac. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the phone calls. Jeffrey in Long Island. What's up, Jeffrey? Those were the days, Those my were the days. My friend, we thought they'd never end. Right, December 8th, 43 years ago. Mm-hmm. Cosell on Monday Night Football. Yep. Announcing to the world, and he said, "We bet this better be right. This better be right, because I'm not going to go out there and say it, Howard." And um, the group, the babies from England, John Waite is in concert that night. They get the word. He has to come out on stage during the concert near the end and tell the audience that John Lennon had been shot and has been dead. Is dead. And the I next n- night, I'd never heard that John Waite did that at a concert. Yes, and the next night. This is what broke up the group, the babies, because the next night he flipped out from it because, you know, he, he, he idolized them and yeah. everything. I mean, he, was a, he was on the stage kicking stuff around. He ripped his knees, a knee apart. And they had to fly him back to New York to get knee surgery, and the group, the babies, never appeared again after that. John Waite, it just wow. broke up. I never heard and, that uh, another little bit of fact here. A month before, now this is the difference now, it's a shock to the system when someone gets killed like that, right? Because you, you, don't, you don't see it coming. Right. A month before, uh, Steve McQueen died. Now, Steve McQueen was only like 50 years old. At the time, before he got sick, was one of the biggest stars, sure. movie stars in, on the planet. Yeah. And, but he had been sick for a while. Now, the thing is, in 1979, the guy Sid Bernstein, who actually brought the Beatles here, he was the promoter. He was part of the thing that got him here. Right. He offered the Beatles 
a certain amount of money to get back together in 79. Now, just think, if, if they would have went on tour, it might have been a different ballgame, right? Because they would have been sure. changed the whole schedule of everything. I mean, yeah, of, of course. I mean, listen, and you know, they offered them money. Famously, Saturday Night Live offered them money. And there's a, a urban legend. I don't know if Paul's ever confirmed it, but there's like an urban legend. They actually made a movie, uh, not about it, but in the movie, this happened. I think it was called The Two of Us or something. It was like a VH1, you know, terrible Lennon McCartney movie. But in 1976, uh, while Paul was promoting uh, Wings uh, at the Speed of Sound album, which the, the Silly Love Songs was the single, uh, while he was in New York promoting that album, he stopped in and, and, and had an evening with John Lennon. And that was the night that Saturday Night Live where Lorne Michaels came on stage and offered them $4,000 or $3,000 to re re reunite. And they actually considered it for a moment before deciding not to do it. But yes, obviously, if they listen, that's the tragedy of it. Other than a, a, a young man at 40 years old, a father of two children, uh, a husband uh, lost his life. But I mean, for what we knew him for, the idea of just him not being able to make music anymore, either on his own or the the thought of ever getting the Beatles back together would have been, you know, exciting. So it's it's tragic on many levels, but first and foremost, a young man, 40 years old, I'm about to turn 40 in a week or so. I mean, I can't imagine 40 years old. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting warmed up. Robin Mattaway, uh, Matawan, what's up, Rob? Hey, Chris, how you doing, brother? Good. How are you, Bob? I was looking for a good Christmas movie to watch the other day, and I'm dying laughing. I, I don't know how I never heard of Trapped in Paris. Oh, it's tremendous. Did you watch it? I, yeah, I watched. I ended up watching it twice the last. Oh, night. isn't it hilarious? It's very good, right? You got no snow change. <laughs> dying no. laughing. Yeah, no. You um, want ski masks? You want to see ski masks? Like it's just it's very <laughs> it's very funny. The 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 movie is very Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey is hilarious. Yeah, I can't believe I've never seen him in more movies. To be honest, yeah, very very good. But yeah, I'm 36. Can't believe I never even heard of that one before. Yeah, so I beg you for that. You got it. All right, one, we're one gonna do, we're gonna do more Christmas hot takes. I got another one uh, right on the tip of my tongue. But we're gonna. I think we're gonna start on Monday doing like an advent calendar thing where we're just gonna every day we'll do a Christmas. I don't know about a hot take, but a McMonagall yeah. Christmas opinion in some way, or, some way or form. Movie takes, movie <laughs> takes, song takes. Uh, overall custom takes and things that bother me, things I love. I don't know, something. A little Christmassy. I want to try and get into the Christmas spirit. I have the two young kids. Like, now's the time where I, I really want to try and enjoy Christmas. So we're going to have a little fun. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Got to get into the spirit a little Gotta bit. Got to get into the spirit a little bit. <laughs> One thing with uh, my Mets. Yes. You think it's it's not possible. They, they got to get Lourdes Gariel Jr. or Teoscar Hernandez to left field. Like, that's got to be one of the guys they got to get. I, I would hope so. I know there's not much. They're not going after all these top knots. They're not going yeah. with Hani, Bellinger, you know, and all the guys that, that are at the top. I know they're waiting for the guys to go off the board. Yeah. But I feel like that's one of the two guys they got to get. Yeah, um, I think both those. They, I think both those guys fit. Yeah. I like. And I like. Both they got to get guys. like JD Martinez at DH or well, Rice Hoskins. The, yeah, I mean JD Martinez, Hoskins, obviously bring back. Um, um what's his name? Jeez. He who went who was with uh, Boston this year was with the Dodgers. Uh, Who's the right-handed hitter with the Turner? Tra uh, uh, Turner. Oh yeah. If, yeah, they bring, Turner, if, they yeah. Bring, if they bring back Turner, if they could get Hoskins, if they they need a, a right-handed hitting, they need a DH. 
Yeah, uh, so you would like Turner one. You would like. Yeah, I mean, listen, Turner. He had a good year with the Red Sox this year. He's he's someone who's definitely would be on my uh, be on my list. You want one more good, you know, not top of the market. You're right, but one more good quality uh, bat right in the middle of that lineup to go along with, obviously Yamamoto. I, I think that's probably it. You call it a winner. They made a couple of small signings. They probably do need to maybe do either. Even if they get Yamamoto, they probably need one more, one or two more low-level starting pitchers, the Michael Wakas of the world, something like that, uh, to yeah, bolster bol- 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 <laughs> the rotation. I know, I know. But he's, I said Wakas of the world. I know it didn't go great. He's actually been really – he's been much better since his time with the Mets. He went to uh, t- uh, he went to Tampa Bay, was much better. He's been to different places and actually been a fairly competent starter. But um, that's kind of the Mets – that's the Mets offseason right now. They are not uh, – it's, it's down to Yamamoto. That's it. Like, really, that's it. Even if they get some of the names you mentioned, even if they add a bat, uh, you know, the Yankees are in on Hicks in the bullpen right now, apparently Jordan Hicks, who, who still throws 100 miles an hour. Might, might not throw 105 like he did when he first came up, but still very hard thrower, good reliever. Like, the Mets are, are, are looking for the future. They want to find some answers out from within their youth. They're still looking to build their farm system. They want to compete. And with the lineup they have and some of the core pieces they have, if they can figure out the top of this rotation and get an ace like Yamamoto, they should still compete inside a National League and be a team that should be playoff bound. I don't know if they'll be World Series favorites. In fact, they won't be, and they won't be even favorites to win their division or even come in second place in their division. But they should be a team that's that's you know on on schedule to make a postseason run, especially with Yamamoto. But that's what they need. That's what they need, and that's what this whole offseason's about. And right now, you know. I, I'm hearing reports, and it's putting a damper on a little bit. He's meeting with the Yankees on Monday. He obviously had lunch in a, a French-Japanese restaurant in Japan with with Uncle Stevie, and they're going to meet again. Uh, it sounds like he's still going to take his time another week or two. He's got 40 days or something before he has to make a decision. It's going to be a while, but this battle between these two teams, and it's to me, I still think it does come down to these two teams, but obviously other teams are going to be in the mix, but I think he wants the big stage. I think he wants the big stage, so I think he wants the Yankees, and he'll take the Mets' money. And that's not to downplay the Mets. That's just what, that's what it is. It's the way this situation has worked out. Some guys would rather have the Mets. It's, but I think he wants the pinstripes and wants the big stage. The Mets afford him the stage of New York, and they give him more money. That's what is that? Will he do that? Will they pony up enough to get him? That's the question, and I, it says a lot. And now that the Yankees have got Soto, they come at it with a little bit of a place of strength where I think the fan base would be appeased enough where if they even miss on Yamamoto but do something else and add a, a pitcher to this rotation, they'll be somewhat still happy. They got one of the great players literally of all time. I mean, he's on a – we don't know what he's going to be the rest of his career, but it, at the moment, at 25 years old, I mean, you you can't count on more than one hand the guys who've had the career that he's had already at this age. So that's what they've just acquired. They still need to do more. Like I said, go trade for Burns, sign Yamamoto, call it a day, easy, no problem. A couple of aces right at the top to go along with Cole, no problem. Make, make things simple, why don't you, Hal? 877-337-6666. All right, we'll have the update. We'll come back with our picks on this football Friday. Somebody is fading, and somebody is making ground, and somebody doesn't lose. That's that's the Those are the three categories we have right here with our three picks. Someone never freaking loses. Someone's on a bit of a downturn, and someone's getting back in the mix. You figure out who it is.
Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, so our team sucked. Doesn't mean the rest of the NFL does, although it's not been a tremendous year. And uh, even Thursday Night Football was somewhat entertaining. We're thrilled they scored points, right? That's it. At least they scored some points. They hit the over. How about that? All right, let's go. So, again, I mentioned it. Marco never freaking loses. Marco went 4-1 last week. He is now 43-20-2, 23 games over 500. Uh, Yeah, 43. Correct. Okay. Fliegelman is getting back in the mix. He's at 500, even 31, 31, and 3. And I am fading after he went 4 and 1, by the way. And I went 2 and 3. I am now 34, 29, and 2. So that's where we are. All of us above or at 500, still pretty good. But here we go for a week 14 in the NFL. Fliegelman, you've been doing well. You're getting back in the mix. Keep it going. Let's go. What do you got? All right, so we'll start with the locals. Uh, I'll start with the Jets, and I haven't picked the Jets in a game since they yeah. beat the Giants. It's been a great decision. They pushed, <laughs> stay away from them forever. But I, I think I might surprise you here. Wow. The line movement says a lot to me. I the know. Fact that this even opened up at six, that it's now down to three and a half. Yeah. It makes no sense in the world. I know. Zach Wilson is either the worst or second worst quarterback to ever live. And this is a team now getting three and a half points at home against a Texans team that is probably going to the play. It makes no sense, but I try to think of it as, okay, this is a weird spot for a young Texans team. They're going on the road. It's a game, maybe their first game where the talk probably in Houston is like, I mean, no chance you lose this. So maybe they feel a little overconfident, Uh, a defense that Stroud hasn't seen yet. They lost Tank Dell. So I don't know, trying to align my thoughts with, the line movement, but then from the Jets fan standpoint, it's this jerk is going to come onto the field, and now that the games mean absolutely nothing, like you were saying a couple minutes ago, yeah. he's actually going to look like an NFL quarterback yeah. for the first time in his life and dupe these fools. Like, I'm not here Monday. You are. You're going to have to deal with the Zach Wilson defenders coming oh, out to I know. See, oh, I they, told you. Coming at One me game out of 32. Well. Yeah, he's good now, so I'm going to take the Jets to cover the three and a half against the Texans, and Monday night, I think the Packers are going to win the game. I just think well, this is a little too many points for the Packers to be laying. If not for their last couple of weeks, I think this line would have been closer to 3-3.5. Three, three I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to how well the Packers are playing. They had the home game on Sunday. Now they got to go on the road. And there's been some kind of magic with the Giants just to even keep these games close. Not saying they're going to win the game. I don't think they do. Can I see them losing... 20 to 17, 21 to 17 and covering, I can. So I'm going to take both locals as underdogs this week, hoping just for a split and uh, hoping, listen, I hope the Jets lose and get, not embarrassed, but I want draft picks now, so that's yeah. why they're going to win. Game number three, listen, this one's simple. Until the 49ers give me a reason to not pick them in a game, I'm going to continue to pick them every week, blindly, don't care, best team in the league, they're going to end up with home field, Niners in game number three. Game number four, I went against this team last week. I'm not the biggest fan of them. Made a joke about the quarterback. 
they played well for part of the game. Ended up losing. I ended up covering, picking against them. But give me the Browns this week, laying three at home against a Jaguars team that I, I would expect doesn't have Trevor Lawrence. There's questions about ETN. They're just so banged up. I don't like this spot for the Jaguars. Not bailing on them for the entire season, but I don't know how C.J. Beathard or even a banged-up Trevor Lawrence, as much as I like Lawrence, if he's on a bum ankle, how they're putting up too many points against this Browns defense. Game will be ugly. Game will be low-scoring. But I think the Browns can win it by a field goal or a touchdown, and I'll take my chances that it's more than a field goal, and they cover. And game number five, I like a couple other ones on the board, but I feel obligated to pick this. It's the game of the week. Give me the Cowboys minus the three and a half over the Eagles. I think Philly might still be a little shell-shocked at how thoroughly they were dismantled last week against the 49ers. The Cowboys have been preparing for this. I still think the Eagles win the division. They have a much easier schedule down the stretch than the Cowboys do. I don't think the Cowboys ultimately get the moment they're looking for, which is winning the NFC East, but I think they get it this Sunday when they tie the Eagles for first place and they beat them, not like by 20-plus, but convincingly enough on Sunday night. All right, I got three different games from Fleegs. I'll start with those before I get into the locals. Give me the Saints laying the five and a half against the Panthers. They're at home. Look, the Saints have been a mess. They're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You really don't know what you're going to get. I feel like you get a better effort. They played well for parts of the game last week against the Lions. I do think the Panthers had their little bit of a boost in the fact of getting rid of Frank Reich and maybe we're turning things over. I think all that's gone, plus the fact that you lost. So I do like the Saints to not win convincingly, but enough by a touchdown. Give me them by laying the five and a half. The next game, this one's weird. And I know they've been really bad. And both teams have been really not what you expect. But the idea that the Chiefs are laying one and a half against the Bills at home, I know everything screams to take Buffalo and they've played better at times and they're in every game and the Chiefs, there's something wrong with their offense. These are all good reasons. I just can't believe that the Chiefs are not going to win this game. And I'm only laying a point and a half with Patrick Mahomes at home against the Bills team that now add in this extra nonsense with Sean McDermott and the 2019 article yeah. with 9-11, which I'll say this now, and I'll probably get into it a little bit maybe yeah. on the weekend. Look, yeah. as bad as that is, and as dumb as Sean McDermott is, yeah. you can't tell me that's not a hit job to lay the groundwork to get Sean McDermott the hell out of Buffalo, yeah. because we're talking about an, a speech that he gave in 2019? 2019. Yeah. Please. You waited four years to lay on this one? They want Sean McDermott out. Yeah. They're just laying the groundwork. I do like the Chiefs. I think the Bills are going to miss the playoffs. Give me the Chiefs lay in the point and a half. The third game is just an ugly game with a team that's good and a team that sucks. Give me the Dolphins laying 13 and a half. That's a lot of points against the Titans. A lot of points. I know you love the Titans at home as a dog. I don't want to hear it. I don't think they can keep up with them. I think the Dolphins are in a perfect spot of they yeah. like to beat the tar out of bad teams. Yeah. That's what this game is, and it's in oblivion because it's on Monday night against the Giant game right. the Packers, which is not going to be a great game anyway. Right. But that's going to be an oblivion. Give me the Dolphins laying the 13 and a half. The two local games, I'm in agreement with Fleeks to a point. I do think that the line is strange with the Texans now down to three and a half. I do think the Jets get a little bit of a push with Zach Wilson, believe it or not. Now all of a sudden he's become the sympathetic figure because Tim Boyle sucks even more. I get all that. I just can't in my right mind pick the Jets because I don't know if they can get a first down. Like their offense has been so bad, even with Zach Wilson. Like let's not forget what they were a few weeks ago. They still can't muster anything. Is he going to truly come out and lay it all out and just caution to the wind and really let it rip and guys are open if you watch the all 22 down the field does he actually become that guy in one night i don't believe it give me the texans laying the three and a half 
and I like the Packers, a six and a half against the Giants. It yep. is a lot of points. I don't see the Giants scoring a lot. And with Dexter Lawrence probably not playing, they can't stop the run with him. Yeah. So they can't stop the run without him. Then they're going to be in a situation where they're, Love will be able to do whatever he wants, play action. He's been so good of late. And Tommy DeVito, it's a hell of a nice story. But they don't score on offense. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Once right. the Packers get up, there's no way the Giants can come back. Yep. Give me the pack land the six and a half. All right. Yeah, we agree on some here. Uh, I'm with you on Kansas City. This is one of those just wrote for me. If I get Mahomes at home, get you know under three points, I take it. That's just plain and simple. I think the Bills coming off a very good game against Philadelphia. I get that, but still, you're right. The McDermott story is is just so over the top crazy. That's something they're going to have to deal with. That he's made those comments. I think it, I I just I love Kansas City in this game. I love Mahomes as a small favorite at home. So give me Kansas City minus one and a half. I'm going to jump on Miami with you as well. This is at home. Tennessee is a different team. Miami's a different team. At home, there is no way they can stop them. I, they're on a mission. Hill is on a mission to lead the world in, in receiving yards. I don't think there's any way you slow them down. I don't think Tan- Tennessee has any way to slow them down. Give me Miami minus 13 and a half. And then here's my weird one, but I feel like doing it. I have not liked the way the Lions have looked over the last handful of weeks. And I actually think the Bears defensively have played a lot better. And the weather is supposed to be crazy. I, I was reading 60, 70 mile an hour wins. It might be tough to throw the ball. Goff is not the same quarterback out in the in the wild, which is a weird way to say it. Out in the wilderness, there's no way for Goff to be able to do it. He's, he's not been as good on the road dealing with the elements. He's much better in his building, in a dome. I think it's a tough spot for them. I think with because of the weather, I think Fields back. I think Fields is going to have a big rushing day. I think that running attack with the defense, plus something's just, they took a 21 point lead and then squandered the rest of the game to the point where they almost blew it. They have not been the same team for the last few weeks. They got blown out by Green Bay. Something tells me a divisional game like this, the Bears are going to keep this game close. I wish I got the hook. I did when I I bet the game earlier in the week. I did get the hook, but right now it's three. I'll still take the Bears plus three at home against the Lions. And then locally, I'm a sucker for the Jets, man. I've said it the way I, I agree. That line movement as a as a better, why is this three points different than it was a couple of days ago? I don't understand it. And I do think this defense makes life uncomfortable for this year, good quarterbacks, which obviously uh, Shroud has now you know made himself. He's leading the league in, in passing yards. But rookie quarterbacks, too. I, I could just see him having a rough day against a very opportunistic defense that is, is, is still looking to prove who they are and that they're not the reason for this debacle. And I do believe the quarterback will do just enough with no fear of being the guy anymore, no fear of this game actually mattering. I think they're going to tell him, take every stinking chance. Who cares about turnovers? Let's make it look like we actually have an offense here. I think he has his best game of the season. I think they figure out a way to actually win the game. I'm picking the Jets to win the game outright. Give me the Jets plus three and a half against Houston, and then I agree with you. Green Bay minus six and a half. This is the end of the DeVito story. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrod Taylor starts next week. I, I, I think it's a great story. I like the kid. Green Bay is playing excellent football right now. Like I understand that it's probably an overreaction. Six and a half is a lot of points, but they haven't just been playing well. They kicked the tar out of the Lions, and then they beat Kansas City. 
And Love looks like him and LaFleur have got this thing figured out. And if they score some points, we saw it last week. I know uh, New England's defense has been fairly good over the last few weeks. They've scored, they've given up like 26 points before this game Thursday night. The last three weeks, they had given up 26 points total in three weeks and still managed to lose all three. The defense has been playing well. Bill's at least been able to coach them up. So scoring 10 points against New England isn't that much of an indictment necessarily. But this offense doesn't score. I don't trust this giant offense at all. It, I, I would take any team playing the way Green Bay's playing, only needing a touchdown victory. So give me Green Bay minus six and a half. Those are the picks for week 14 in the NFL.